0: TSN 4 I'm Andy McNamara. The NFL season never stops. The news never ends. And that's why we had this nice little four-pack edition of TSN 4 Downs over the next few weeks. This is edition two of it, I guess show two, and two more following that. And then we'll be back uh, the end of August to get ready for the, the real NFL season. Today on the show, big one for you, all right? We got Mike Clay. Going big time. Fantasy football rankings. Get you ready. Because the draft's going to be here before we know it, folks. We know that. It's going to be here before you know it. And the worst thing is your buddies get together, right? They say, oh, draft's next week. And you haven't done any prep. And you're scrambling. And you're panicking. And when you're on the clock, just like the real NFL draft, when you're on your fantasy football draft clock, if you don't know what's going on, you're screwed. Your season's gone. You're going to have a bad time. So we go to Mike Clay. ESPN fantasy football analyst. Chatted with him a little bit earlier. We'll get the insights, some rankings, some players, who to watch for, a couple sleepers, of course, right, who to avoid, who to go after. Then an AFC East Division preview. Did AFC North the other week, AFC East Division preview. So Bills, Jets, Dolphins, of course, the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots. We'll get to that with John Crick of Post Media and the Toronto Sun does such a great job, does a lot of work with the Bills. But we'll see. I want to see where John thinks the order of this division is going to be. We assume the Patriots are going to finish first, right? That's, that's going to happen. But where about everybody else? you got Le'Veon Bell in New York, right? Next year for Sam Darnold, the Bills, Josh Allen, second year as well. A little bit of offensive sprinkling with weapons, Cole Beasley, John Brown. What about the Dolphins, right? You've got, you got new people that Ryan Tannehill's gone. you got Fitzmagic down there and Josh Rosen coming in. So how does that whole division work out? And are we going to see what has usually been the case, if it's just the Patriots? Or could another one of these teams maybe be in the wildcard conversation? What could we be? We're delivered by Domino's, of course. And if you're watching on Twitch TV, twitch.tv forward slash Live, you can see live inside the Toronto studio, the Domino's brands up on the board. Domino's.ca, large four-topping pizza, just $12.99. Go get yourself some today. All the side dishes, marble cookie brownies for dessert, and all that good stuff. But there's a ton of news and notes in the offseason. Let's get to three and out and start with first down. First down. So we remember last year with Le'Veon Bell holding out. The contract didn't play. Now he's in New York. Well maybe Zeke Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, who got himself in a little bit of a trouble in Vegas the other day. It doesn't look like there'll be any discipline there for a bit of a physical altercation with a security guard. But could Zeke be the next Le'Veon Bell when it comes to contract drama? Well, in first down, Josina Anderson, Victor Cruz, and Rob Ninkovich discuss.
1: I think Ezekiel Elliott is a potential for this situation only because when you look at what he means to the Dallas Cowboys from a football standpoint, you know that he has commanded and earned that type of contract. However, if you're in the front office and you're being smart with that situation, you know they're going to leverage some of the things that have happened to him off the field to try to get that price down. Potentially, how could they meet in the middle? I think when you look at what they did with Odell Beckham Jr., getting his average higher than Antonio Brown's when you were just looking at the new money average, but then getting the average below the overall total, Total, when you when you counted the old money below that, so both sides could have something to hang their hat on, that is potentially how you could make this work. I agree. I think the Cowboys have some decisions to make, especially the timing of all these different signings. And Ezekiel Elliott, if he's not happy being franchised over and over again, we could definitely have another Le'Veon situation with
2: mm-hmm. him. And we all know the
3: shelf life of a running back is short, yeah. so right. you know, you have a small window to capitalize on your abilities. Uh,
0: it does seem like the the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott are talking, but to your point, there's another incident recently in Vegas. No arrests, no charges made but one of those things it may factor in to the long term
1: deal he's looking for with the Dallas Cowboys
0: and there you go so Zeke Elliott could that be the next big contract situation and boy you talk about premier backs if we switch to, to a fantasy conversation for a moment how much does losing Le'Veon Bell hurt people last year right people drafted him early tried to be cute held on thought he'd come back and he never did Zeke Elliott would be tragic in that case still some time don't have to worry about that right now But certainly, that offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott. We know this. It runs through Zeke. Dak Prescott, nice quarterback. And people talking about, well, Dak's going to be due for a big contract. Dak Prescott is a tier below. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. Improving, nice piece. Certainly, you could do worse. But that offense goes through Ezekiel Elliott. And his agents know that. Let's move on. Second down. Now, Leonard Furnett, sticking with the running back conversation. This has been a guy who has been disciplined by his team for off the field stuff, bad work ethic. He's been injured, only eight games last year, 13 in his rookie season. All the tools, the power. Can he stay healthy? Can he be an impact guy? Well, Leonard Furnett uh, tells us why in his own words. Why he and the Jaguars are prepared for a fresh start next year after a disappointing 2018.
1: After the season we had last year, you know, I think everybody kind of hit the restart button. You know, we talked about what, where we was going at, you know, and uh, when I went to Dallas, actually Cam was out there. Uh, I went I went, me and Jan trained for a minute together. So it was kind of like for all the players to get back into uh, our foundation, where we all started from. I'm happy, with, especially when I'm here working on my team right now. Um, the biggest thing, like I tell everybody, you know, a lot of y'all questions, like, for 10 years, like, it's mainly gone off of last year. It's a new year, you know, I mean, we have a new team. Uh, we focus on, we have new players. It's a new year for us, all of them, so it's new everything. You know, it's a, a clean start for a lot of us guys. Uh, we're not focused on the past, the past, the past. You know, uh, some things I've, I I've did, you know, this and I admitted to. yeah, I was wrong, but we moved on, you know what I mean, we're in a good place right now. I talked to Coach Marone, Coach Coughlin, Doug, uh, Mr. Caldwell, the owner, so we're in a good spot.
0: Well, that's good to say, and for the Jaguars' sake, I hope he's right, because here's what the running back situation in Jacksonville looks behind Leonard Fournette. Alfred Blue. Now, he's flashed. He's been a bit of a scrap waiver-wire pickup at times when he was with Houston. Can't rely on him. And Raquel Armstead. Interested in Armstead or Blue? No. No. You need Leonard Fournette. The Jaguars need Leonard Fournette. And if you want Nick Foles at his most dynamic for a full season, we're not talking about the closer role he's played in Philly, Mr. November, December, and Super Bowl. For a whole season, we were reminded last year why Nick Foles was a backup. You need a strong running game and a dynamic defense. I think the defense is going to bounce back. We'll see if the running back can also bounce back. Let's move on. Down. Oh, the Jets, and we'll be talking a little bit more New York Jets with uh, John Crick of Post Media in a few minutes time. But Adam Gase, who just started with the most epic press conference when he was signed with that, that weird eye roll, I still don't know what that is, but it's hilarious. Uh, well, their general manager Mike McCagnon, after spending what hundred plus million dollars in free agency, bringing in Le'Veon Bell, going through a whole draft, gets fired. And now Adam Gase is interim GM. Well, Gase is trying to set the record straight, saying there's there's no rift. He didn't have anything to do with McHagnon getting fired. And whether it's true or not, what do you make of the wide circle league that you stabbed Michael the back? Yeah, that's that's that would be false.
4: That's just not true. Christopher made a decision.
3: How would you describe your relationship with him? And could you have worked with him this year?
4: It's irrelevant. I mean, all that's irrelevant because we're the dis, decision was made. We're moving forward. Me and Mike had disagreements on a few things, but there was no personal rift. That, personal that's, that's, personal that's, personal that's, personal, that's wrong. Not. Le'Veon Bell is a great player. He's a good person. He's been in constant contact with me. I enjoyed my interaction with him when he was here, when he came on his visit for his physical, when we signed him. When he was here for the beginning of Phase 1, I mean, he texts me all the time. He, you, all that stuff you get on Instagram, I get it first. So that's how I know what he's doing.
0: Some speculation that you
4: guys might try to trade him before the season even yeah. starts. That's ridiculous. The that's the first time I've heard of that. But so that's not going
0: to happen. No. So Adam Gase just put out fire after fire after fire. And that was the rumor, right, that McKagan brings in Bell – but Gase didn't want him. And you have to look at how Adam Gase, is going to be the, the head honcho with the offense and all that in New York, trying to develop Sam Darnold, the, the quarterback whisperer, gaining gaining really his notoriety by working with Peyton Manning who ran his own offense. So I personally think Adam Gase is overrated. However, he's gonna get his hands on Sam Darnold. When he was with Miami, that running game was not utilized. Now you never had a Le'Veon Bell, I get that. You never did. But how valuable, how much is he going to use Le'Veon Bell? Also, for Bell's sake, behind a much weaker offensive line than he had in Pittsburgh. So the Jets keep on being the Jets, which is a bit of a mess. All right, let's punt to the poll question here. At AndyMC81 on Twitter, and you can give me your answer in the chat room on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash AndyMacLive. Twitch.tv forward slash AndyMacLive. Remember, you can subscribe for free using Amazon Prime. Uh, give a follow there and see uh, all cool behind-the-scenes stuff here at TSN 1050 and uh, all over uh, there. But here's the, here's the poll question here, brought to you by Toronto Food Tours, tofoodtours.com. It is, who'd you rather? We got two who'd you rather questions here, all right? Entering their fifth year as quarterbacks, went 1-2 in the draft. Who'd you rather as your QB today? The Titans, Marcus Mariota, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jameis Winston? In part two... Who'd you rather? Defensive tackle from Tampa Bay. Ndamukong Sue just signing. Or free agent Gerald McCoy, who was just released from Tampa Bay. Funny enough, they are similar age, very similar builds, and drafted one position spot after another in the 2010 draft. You had Sue at number two, McCoy at number three. So who'd you rather at quarterback? Mariota or Winston or defensive tackle? Sue or McCoy? We'll answer that in the fourth segment of the show. But after the break, AFC East preview. If you want to hear about the Bills, the Pats, the Dolphins, and the Jets, John Crick has you covered. NFL columnist from Post Media. That is next here on TSN 4 If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's unlimited two topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each that's right as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas so stock up dig in and feed that hunger with unlimited two topping medium pizzas perfect for the big game a busy night with the family or just because order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert that's dominoes.ca TSN 4 Downs here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at andymc81, the show at tsn4downs, Instagram at sports, and, of course, you can watch us live on Twitch TV, twitch.tv forward slash andymaclive. So here's the deal, folks. I chatted with John Crick a little bit earlier. I was just getting over a cold, so my voice isn't great. It's going to sound a little different, a little raspy, but you get the point. You want to hear what Crick has to say anyway. AFC East preview. Following him, we'll have ESPN Fantasy Football analyst Mike Clay. You don't want to miss that. But let's swing around the Bills, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Patriots with John Crick. John, let's begin with... The New York Jets, and there was an article out, and it got put as M-E-S-S, mess, 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 instead of the Jets, <laughs> which I thought was clever. Um, firing their, their GM, McCagnan out, Adam Gase, head coach, interim GM. Uh, just just overall, a weird look when this happens, because, John, they spent a ton of money in free agency. They went out, they got Le'Veon Bell. They had a, a big draft, and then the GM's gone. Like, what is the thinking in New York about this?
3: Well, <laughs> the Why? thinking in New York is, well, they had a front page uh, the other day where when uh, the mayor the mayor decided to run for president and had basically people sitting on accounts pointing and laughing. It could have gone the same path <laughs> for, the, for the Jets as well with what they have become. You know, when Rex Ryan was there and he was... Oh was always saying, you know, all those outlandish things, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. And everybody pretty much in in league circles, um, not just media, but everybody just looked on the franchise as a circus, as a joke. And so then Woody Johnson, the owner now, is appointed ambassador to overseas for, for Trump. And his brother, Chris Johnson, takes over. You know, the whole regime of Rex is all long gone. So everybody thought the circus had left town. No, it was just kind of hidden around the corner there. And they put up their tents there, and it's just as bad as ever. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. And you know what? It'll be interesting, interesting to see what Adam Gase does. Because so far, my... My image of Adam GaSe is that weird press conference with his giant eyes bugging out and the eye roll, which is weird. And you know what, man? Yeah. Hey, how many guys have we seen try to go Belichick, right? Take on the GM role? Uh, hey, mm-hmm. they talk about Jets guy, man, genius. Failed for Eric Mangini. Like sometimes it can be too much. And I wonder how that's going to look. What do you What do you see the Jets as? Because they have added some pieces. Sam Darnold, another year. Mm-hmm. Where do you see them lining up in the AFC East this year?
3: Well, I think that they'll probably be fighting with Miami for third. Yeah, uh, I think Buffalo with their roster and and their coaching and their defensive coaching, they haven't done anything on offense to make anybody open their eyes. I mean, they lost a playoff game to Lake Borals and Jacksonville Jaguars Ooh. a year ago. What was it, ten to three? They couldn't oh. even get past the twenty yard line. So this is not an offensive juggernaut by any stretch and you know the jury obviously still out on the now second year quarterback Josh Allen I think he has uh, he showed about as much moxie and as create much creativity as you would hope for somebody who had no protection and nobody nope. ever getting open to catch the ball and when they did they didn't catch it so I think for the Bills they would be their number two but the Jets look Mike McCagnon last year Sam Donald fell to them when the Giants at number two took Saquon Barkley. I don't think there's a GM in the league that wouldn't have taken Sam Donald for that quarterback starved team at that time. Similarly, this year they took Quinn and Williams. Some people thought it was hands down the best talent in this year's draft yeah. overall over anybody. Yeah. So they get him at number three overall. So it's not like Mcagnan is, is you know been sticking up the place with a lot of bad moves. They had to. They unexpectedly. This it's almost like when the, with the Leafs with Cliff Fletcher nineteen. 19- Ninety-three, when he took over as the GM, you know, it was going to be the slow rebuild, right? But then all of a sudden they got really good, really fast. And they had to kind of just play a little bit for now. Well, if you recall, in his first year, Mike McKagan, 2015, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the little placeholder quarterback, nearly got the team into the playoffs. And I wonder if that didn't change their perspective a little bit on well, can we win now, or do we have to really w- look for winning three, four years from now? That was a curveball. And if in the NFL GM circles, it takes you a couple years to regage from there. So I would, I, I look at McKagan as, I don't think he did so bad a job. I think the big pressure, more than any other coach, I believe, this year, Adam Gase has to impress in New York. If not win, then he has to at least impress because in Miami, he held all the keys. He had Mm -hmm. final say on the 53-man roster. Mike McKagan was going to have that for the Jets this year. But now that he's out of there, it's either going to be Gase as effective de facto GM, as you say, uh, Andy, or they're going to bring somebody in that he's going to work hand-in-hand with, much like the Bills have with Sean McDermott and Brandon being his GM.
0: In conversation with John Crick, NFL columnist, Post Media, and Toronto Sun on Twitter, at John Crick. So let's get back into the Bills here. And boy, mm-hmm. John, uh, coming out of the draft, I, I, was, I was hosting the NFL Draft Canada Party, downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. Bills Mafia was representing, and let me tell you, when Ed Oliver fell to them at nine, they were freaking out. That might be the value of the draft. When we look at the Bills, you, you said it, um, trying to Incorporate all right, get stronger on defense, work out, give Josh Allen some help when you see the additions of Cole Beasley slot speedy guy in Dallas and then john brown who's who's flash but isn't isn't a stud um, mm-hmm. how, how much better do you think the bills can be overall and then maybe specifically on offense Well, they
3: almost Entirely remaking their offensive line. It looks like there'll be four new starters there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll have to wait and see with camp. They've got a lot of guys, a lot of offensive line, more than usual. So we'll see how that all pans out. But it has to be better, just because it was so awful last oh. year for Josh Allen, the, the rookie. Uh, didn't get enough snaps in, in camp. They, I believe they made a huge mistake, just as all teams do. They go, oh no, you have to earn it. <laughs> Therefore, they go through a whole summer of training camp with only getting a handful of reps with the starters. And then, of course, usually, like with Deshaun Kaiser in Cleveland the year before, <laughs> and last year with Josh Allen with the Bills, suddenly you know that they get sprung, they get thrust in there in September, and they're not ready. Um, and they get hurt. So it was, uh, it's a tough year for Josh Allen. Does he have the accuracy at the NFL level? He has not uh, shown that he can possess that. His completion percentage was barely about 50%. But how much of that was on his shoddy protection and shoddy receivers? We're going to find that out this year Mm -hmm. because the line will be better. We'll have a better rushing attack. What's not talked about enough is that he had, other than when um Ivory was in there. Chris Ivory at running back. Um, LaShawn McCoy had a terrible year, bouncing get outside, had his worst statistical year in a number of categories. So really, Josh Allen had no help last year other than his own good legs and great acumen as a runner because yeah. he really showed that he can – hurt a defense now can these new receivers help i absolutely believe beasley will uh, as you say the possession type of a slot receiver john brown when healthy which is a huge asterisk besides the, the sun but when he's healthy he is a great downfield threat and with josh allen's arm when they're both in there and it's third and 13 you know that defense is going to be respecting the deep pass. So that should open things up. Defensively, Sean McDermott has overachieved in two years as a head coach from the defensive standpoint. That's his specialty, that side of the ball. And then as I see it, they have way overachieved in two straight years. And with better talent now, like you say, Ed Oliver, uh, deemed by many to be oh. the maybe even better than Quinnen Williams, he's going to be a uh, penetrator as a defensive tackle, really should help that defense. It should be an exciting year from that standpoint that this defense should Should stop a lot of teams from getting to 20, 24 points, which will give their offense a chance.
0: And when you look in the backfield, you mentioned that. So you got Shady McCoy. Then you bring in Frank Gore. So you get even older. Then you draft Devin Singletary, who in the third round I like. But that backfield situation is a little bit peculiar because at some point we may have seen the clock strike 12 on Shady McCoy last year. Frank Gore, God love him, but come on like or the, 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 there's going to be the, the the risk of injuries just seems sky high and and we don't really know the upside of Singletary right now
3: yeah i don't know what the, what's the bigger number there, combined yardage gore and or or the <laughs> combined age i mean these guys are old i mean come uh, on i know they're not i cannot see any any scenario where they keep them both coming out of training camp seems crazy they'll have the charge fun of them or just get rid of McCoy and his big salary. Maybe Philly will take him for the cheap. Who knows? Um, But I just cannot see that they go into camp with that, and especially once they drafted in the third round, 74th overall, Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic. I mean, come on. If you're going to draft a running back that high when you've already presumably got enough running backs, uh, that tells me that he's going to get carries, and they're going to give him the ball or or throw him the ball in this case, too. So there's there's not going to be enough room in the roster for a couple of old guys like that. And Gore is a much better locker room presence, I think, than McCoy. Um, even though he was a captain last year, I just think it might be time to move on from him. In
0: conversation with John Crick. Uh, John, let's go to the Patriots. Yeah, we know. It doesn't seem to matter what they do in free agency <laughs> or the draft. They're always good. I will say this, though. For them to take... 32nd overall, that first round pick, something they they never do it seems is take a wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, big bodied, physical guy. You lose Gronk, you lose Hogan. It seems like they are recognizing, hey, you know what? Um, Tom Brady, we, we might actually kind of need to give him some some help, may, maybe some targets.
3: What do you what do you make of the Patriots offseason? Really interesting, actually, because I thought they might try a little harder to get uh, not only replace once uh, a couple months ago once Gronk retired officially, but I thought they might try to acquire a tight end, and you Me know too. they still might. They're still rumbling that Kyle Rudolph with his big salary might be on the way out of Minnesota, and wouldn't he be a wonderful acquisition oh. for for if you're a Patriots fan for for uh, for Brady? But getting Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry, and he was born in Toronto. Um, didn't right. spend much time here. A <laughs> right. cup of coffee yeah, or maybe coffee. a couple of bottles in his case, <laughs> and then his the family moved down to the Caribbean, and then he was, moved back with his grandma to Arizona. But he should help that team. I mean, their, their wide receiver core, they didn't have a lot. I mean, no. when Gronk, they had Gronk basically in Edelman and not much else last year. They might have... It might be more of a, uh, a by committee. We always see running back by committee. Mm. This actually might truly be for them this year a wide receiver core or at least uh, a receiving core, if you include the tight ends, by committee this year where there could be any number of guys that get a lot of catches for that team this year, but nobody really dominates other than I guess Edelman would have a chance to do that. Right. It should be interesting because, I mean, look, he's going to be 42. Oh. 42 years old and, you know, he's coming off the Super Bowl. Another one. Six. Crazy. Jeez. Jeez.
0: And according to Tommy, he's got three more years to go. So what's the hurry, right? <laughs>
3: right. Exactly right. Hey, don't he worry. and Drew Brees 45. are going to be in there trying to outbattle battle everybody to be the oldest quarterback oh, ever.
0: My gosh. Yeah. All right, John. You know what? We'll leave it at that. Um, and, and, hey, the AFC East, I think, is going to be maybe more interesting than in years past. Patriots still the cream of the crop, obviously, but uh, the Bills and to see what happens with the Jets and the Dolphins going to be very interesting. Thank you so much, sir. Anytime. Thanks, Andy. All right, there he is, John Crick, Post, Media, and Toronto Sun NFL columnist, one of the best in the biz on Twitter, at John Crick. We'll step aside, get you ready for the fantasy football season. Never too early to prep. He'll be here before you know it. And I go with one of the best ESPN fantasy football analysts, Mike Clay, next on TSN 4 Downs. Back to TSN Four Downs, NFL Offseason Edition. Here on TSN 1050, TSN1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app you can watch live in studio on twitch.tv forward slash Andy Mac Live, Andy MAC Live right now. Jump in the chat section, comment. I want to know from you guys who would you rather? Who would you rather as your quarterback this year, Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston or Defensive Tackle, the man beast known as Ndomkin Sue? or the equally ferocious Gerald McCoy. We'll get into that discussion in the next segment. But first, fantasy football. We know it's year long. We know you got to get ready for your fantasy football draft. Take notes. Sleepers, rankings, who to take, who to avoid, and where. I spoke a little bit earlier uh, with Mike Clay. Now, remember, uh, I talked with him the other day. I was getting over a cold, all right, so the voice isn't the best, so bear with me there. But Mike Clay from ESPN Fantasy Football Analyst, you don't want to miss this. Here we go. Mike, when we look at off-season movement and fantasy football stars, there were some big names that went out this year, lots of diva power moving around. Which of these three perennial fantasy football studs do you think is going to have the best fantasy season with their new team? You have the Raiders' Antonio Brown. You got Derek Carthorne and him, the Browns Odell Beckham Jr. with Baker Mayfield, or the Jets Le'Veon Bell, who's coming off of sitting for an entire season.
4: Yeah, can I go with all of them? Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think, yeah, yeah. I think all these guys should be uh, should be drafted in the first two rounds. Um, I think the guy off the board first should probably be Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know, you're going to see him go in the first round of most drafts. I mean, there's there's some concern here, and you've heard some. It, obviously, the GM was just fired by the Jets. or some rumblings that maybe Adam Gase didn't want to sign him. Uh, you look back at Adam Gase's usage of running backs during his time in Miami, and the Dolphins were by far dead last in running back carries inside the five-yard line. So that makes you wonder a little bit about uh, his potential touchdown contributions. But at the same time, you know, he may still – you know, even if he scaled back a little bit from, from his Pittsburgh usage, could still push for 300 touches, maybe 350 if he's healthy for the whole yeah. season uh, in an offense that badly needs weapons for Sam Darnold. So um, I I think he should be the first guy off the board. But again, I mean, Beckham and Brown are going to be target hogs in their offenses. In fact, I actually have Brown projected to lead the NFL in targets this hmm. season. So uh, both of those guys should be very you know highly productive fantasy assets this season.
0: Mike, what I like, too, is the secondary options when you come to the stars, right? Because you had, and listen, Juju Smith-Schuster benefited from Antonio Brown. I think Terrell Williams with the Raiders is going to benefit greatly as being the true number two. And then with Cleveland, you have Jarvis Landry, who was out of place as a a number one. But you pop him in down a spot with OBJ up there. What do you think of the value of those two guys, Williams and Landry, as really potential risers in, in fantasy pools this year?
4: Well, I think you have to scale back Landry for sure. I mean, he comes in just inside my top 30 at the wide receiver position. And, you know, the reason is he's not a good touchdown producer. He had no. kind of that one uh, aberration a couple of years ago where he scored a bunch of touchdowns. Otherwise, doesn't get a lot of work into the goal line. And a lot of his targets come in the short area. So in PPR, that, that's fine. But he was really reliant on a huge target share. In Miami and and even last year in Cleveland to have some fantasy relevance. So there's definitely some drawbacks to Landry. You like him a little more in PPR, but overall you have to scale him back. Again, I think he's now more of a a wide receiver three option. But again, this offense should score more than uh, his offense has had in the past. So maybe that does get him an extra touchdown or two and helps his cause. Um, And that, and then as for Tyrell, I agree with you. He does come inside my, inside my top 45. Uh you, you worry about the fact that he's always been more of a situational player, a, a right. deep threat, a vertical option for the Chargers. And, you know, it's not like they're short targets now in Oakland, right? They they want to yeah. get the ball to Josh Jacobs and Jalen Rashard yeah. out of the backfield. You have Brown, who I mentioned could lead the NFL in targets this season. They brought in J.J. Nelson. They still have uh, Marshall Eatman there. You know, they bring in someone to, to run out of the slot, of course, via the draft. Uh, they have, uh, you know, we'll see what they do with Darren Waller at tight end, but they do have other guys they want to get the football to uh, out there in Oakland. So I, I like him more non-PPR because he can hit those long plays. We saw that for years with the Chargers, uh, but there is some value to be had here in, in the late rounds of your draft. I, I have no problems taking the flyer there, but probably a little bit of, uh, of a limited upside based on his role.
0: Right, right. And if you can get him later on as a value, why not, right? And you kind of go from there. Uh, Mike, on Twitter, at MikeClayNFL, you put out hashtag ClayProjections and said that based on their roster, my Cleveland Browns should be the favorites to win the AFC North. I agree. But for upcoming fantasy drafts, what should people do about Kareem Hunt? I've been getting a ton of questions about this. He'll be eligible to return in week nine. And if he does, could be a real force alongside Nick Chubb. But what strategy do you advise about where to draft Hunt?
4: Well, I don't think you draft them unless you have deep benches or, or, you know, maybe you're in some sort of league where you can put uh, a suspended player on your IR list or something like that. Right. right. Uh, here's the thing. I mean, it, it, there's two ways to look at it. First of all, why, why does he have value in the first two months of the season? Well, as a handcuff, right? I mean, if Nick Chubb goes down with a torn ACL or something uh, in week four, Kareem Hunt is going to be the hottest ad on waivers mm-hmm. because when he comes back, you know that he's going to be – the feature back and he has a ton of talent. So he has some fan uh, handcuff value, just like any other handcuff would, right? You're not going to start, you're not going to start chase Edmonds, right? But you might pick him up as a, as a bench stash, just in case David Johnson gets hurt. So uh, same kind of value there. That said, does he have standalone value when he comes back in, in week nine or or 10, whatever it is, uh, week 10. Uh, I don't think he does. I mean, are you going to feel comfortable starting him the first few weeks he's back or at all? I, I don't. I mean, if Nick Chubb's playing, he's going to be their lead back. He's going to be with the team all season. He was just as effective as Kareem Hunt efficiency-wise last season. You know, he they, they, he's he's the incumbent here. He's going to be the guy that most likely is going to be the featured back throughout the first two months of the season, even while – uh, you know, while Hunt's out, you know, with the team likely scoring at a high, high rate. So, very talented player. He's gonna be the, the workhorse. And even if they scale him back down the stretch, and, and if they're winning a lot of games, you would expect them to do that. Uh, just because, you know, they're, they're gonna want to rest him a little bit for the playoffs. It makes perfect sense. But is that gonna get Kareem Hunt 15 touches a game enough that you feel comfortable with him as an RB2? No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. You know, I think six to eight carries, maybe a target or two. Don't forget, Duke Johnson's still there, too. Right. He's one of the best pass catching backs in the NFL. You know, it doesn't sound like he's going anywhere. So, uh, I'm kind of pessimistic about Hunt's contributions this season. I don't think it'll be a full committee. And again, even if it is, I don't know that there's enough there for Hunt to be uh, a fantasy star. If anything, I think you have to, you have to knock Chubb down a little bit in your rankings going into the draft just because there's a chance that during the fantasy playoffs, he might not get as much volume. But again, I don't think that'll lead to much fantasy value for Hunt.
0: So, yeah, I was going to say, so Kareem Hunt's presence should not really affect Nick Chubb's where you draft him that much, right?
4: Uh, not not a ton, especially because, you know, you're playing the first, yeah, you have to get to the playoffs first. Yeah, right? you got to so get going to yeah. have a lot of yeah. value in those first months. Yeah, so, so I, I definitely think... Uh, You know, he'll be fine in those first two months of the season, but you do worry a little bit down the stretch. I I think he's going to be an RB2 in the second half of the season once Han's back because, you know, he's going to play a little bit. You know, he's going to, he's going to steal some touches, maybe some touchdowns. And again, you can't stress this enough. Uh, Duke Johnson's still there. And, you know, you think about how, how, yeah, you think about how unproductive Duke Johnson was in fantasy last year. But if you look at the snap split, it was pretty even with Chubb. I mean, Chubb had an edge, but it was pretty close because, uh, you know, Johnson was out there soaking up snaps, and that will be the case when the Browns are throwing throughout the 2019 season.
0: In conversation with Mike Clay, ESPN, fantasy football analyst on Twitter at Mike Clay, NFL. All right. We look at the tight end position here, Mike. It was a mess last year with Gronk around. Now Gronkowski's retired. Starts getting dicey after you get to Travis Clay, Zach Ertz. Then it's like, okay, George Kittle type of thing. Plus, we're seeing more dual tight ends on teams being used as offensive targets. So how early would you look to target a high-end tight end and get that position covered and out of the way in your fantasy draft?
4: Well, I think there's, there's kind of three tiers I think he can make it four tiers here. And there's only one tight end in the first tier, and it's Travis Kelsey. I have him, uh, believe it or not, I have him projected to score 63 more points in the next closest tight end. And that might sound crazy because, yeah, last year George Kittle set the tight end all-time record for receiving yards. Zach Ertz set the record for catches. But still, Kelsey is so far ahead because, you know, his target share is so massive. It's a pass-heavy, high-volume, high-scoring offense. And he's the guy, and and also I'm kind of baking in a, a short project, a uh, short suspension for Tyree Kill. We'll see how that plays out, but you have to imagine he's going to miss at least some time. You know, it all adds up to Kelsey being way ahead of the field. And by the way, George Kittle, you expect that target chair to drop a little bit. You know, they want to get the ball more to their uh, running backs out of the backfield. They want to get they they obviously improve via the draft at the wide receiver position, so they have more comp- Kittle has more competition, and the same for Zach Ertz. They bring in. Uh, They obviously bring in Deshaun Jackson. They can throw potentially to the backs more with with Miles Sanders there. And, of course, Dallas Goddard, who they drafted in the second Mm -hmm. round last year, is in his second season. They want to get him the ball, too. So uh, I think the targets go down for Kittle and Ertz and could possibly even go up for Travis Kelsey uh, in Kansas City. So I think Kelsey is the guy I would consider at the round one or two turn. Kittle and Ertz, I'm looking at at the two to three turning into the third round, and then you get down to like Evan Ingram, who's fourth on my board, or Henry, Jared Cook, OJ Howard. You, you group those guys have some upside, but after you, there's a lot of similar options after yeah. that. Hooper, Delaney Walker, I love his value. Jack Doyle, Ebron, Olson, and Joku. You know, you, we're talking, you know, you get down to Kyle Rudolph, Trey Burton, Chris Hearn, and Jimmy Graham. These guys are barely in my top 20. I mean, the position is so deep once you get past that top group. So, uh, if I get one of them top three, great. If not, I'm probably going to wait quite a while before I take my tight end.
0: So go, yeah, go early or, or wait. And, Hey, what was a lot of the talk of this draft process here, Mike? It was, wow, how deep is the tight end group coming into the league? TJ Hawkinson landing in Detroit, and you got Noah Fent in Denver. So do you have, as far as rookie tight ends, we've seen, it is is real tough for a rookie tight end to make the immediate contribution, especially in fantasy. Some guys flash, like O.J. Howard did a couple years ago. Are you bullish on any one of these guys as far as maybe, you know, you, you wait a while and take a flyer on one of them?
4: No way, definitely not. I mean, look back at the past decade yeah. in fantasy football. There is only there has only been one rookie tight end to finish as a top ten fantasy tight end, and it was Evan Ingram a few years ago. When remember they were just overrun with injuries at wide receiver. I remember that one game where they upset Denver. Uh, everybody was out. You know, Shepard was out and Beckham was out, and he was basically their only wide receiver. Right. He was playing wide receiver, and still, that's what it took for him to be a top ten fantasy tight end as a rookie, you just don't see it. So what what are you doing with the late flyer? You're going to take Hawkinson? You're going to take Fan for what? I mean, you know they're not going to give you right. tight end one numbers <laughs> barring, barring the extreme, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe they break the mold. You know, I guess it's possible. There's a lot of talent there, but it's just so unlikely that you have to kind of play the odds here and just go – somewhere else. It's just not worth it, unless maybe you're in a two tight end league and and you think they can get you top 20 numbers. That can happen. But Mm. top 10, it's just, it's very unlikely.
0: No, I'm with you. And you can find all of Mike's rankings, has it pinned to his Twitter, at MikeClayNFL, PPR rankings, all across the board, at all positions and rookies as well. Mike, great stuff as always, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's always fun. Take care. There he is, Mike Clay, ESPN fantasy football analyst. Always like talking with Mike, we're going to step aside and wrap up the show next with a couple of who'd you rather's entering their fifth year. Would you rather have Marcus Mariota of the Titans as your quarterback or Jameis Winston of the Bucks with Bruce Arians as his new head coach? And then the second one, defensive tackle, those big daddies in the middle. You want Nadamakan Sue, dirtiest player in the game with the Bucks or Gerald McCoy, who he replaced was just cut and McCoy making the free agent rounds. We'll get into that next to wrap up TSN four downs. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's. Unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at Domino's.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's Domino's.ca. to wrap up TSN Four Downs. NFL Offseason Edition here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Big thanks to our guest Mike Clay from ESPN, fantasy football analyst and NFL columnist John Crick from the Toronto Sun. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at andymc 81 also on Instagram at Andy MC Sports, the show, also on Twitter at TSN4Downs. And you can watch live on Twitch TV, twitch.tv forward slash Andy Mac live. See all the behind-the-scenes stuff here at the TSN 1050 Studios during and uh, the show and during commercial breaks. So give a follow there. Check us out. Here's the question I'm putting out there, folks. Okay? We have it up at Andy MCD1. You can put it uh, in the chat room on twitch.tv forward slash Andy Mac Live. Let me know there as well. We got a couple. Who'd you rather? Okay, who'd you rather? Brought to you by Toronto Food Tours. And folks, check out tofoodtours.com. A couple weeks back, I went for my birthday. Urban Whiskey Trail. You feel like a tourist in your own city. It's phenomenal. Different, like, speakeasy spots. That was cool. But they got things for, for families. You can do brunch tours. You can do uh, ancient, You can do Chinatown. You can do St. Lawrence Market. There are a ton of different themes, days of the week, times. It is just a great time, no matter which one you go to. Chef Scott, like, elegant, top-notch food with drinks, and it, it, it's an experience. you got to check it out on Twitter, at FoodTours TO, and check out the website again, TOFoodTours.com. Make sure you do check that out. But here is the question. Who'd you rather, alright? Entering their fifth years, both these quarterbacks, entering year five, who would you rather going into the 2019 season? Marcus Mariota of the Tennessee Titans, Or Jameis Winston of the Bucs? Titans-Mariota or Bucs-Jameis Winston? Well, Charlie Casserly of NFL Network broke down both of these two players, both these two QBs
2: entering their fifth year. Yeah, number one, turnovers. Cut down on the turnovers. So how do you do that? Stop forcing the ball you don't you can't make every throw you're not going to make every throw sometimes throwing it away sometimes even a sack sometimes just dumping it off is better than some of those forced throws that are in in inaccurate and intercepted now here's the other thing better on the deep ball deshaun jackson he thrived with fitzpatrick in there he still has not mastered the deep ball the way you want him to do it guess what bruce arians loves the deep ball but the big thing is turnovers you don't try to make every throw All right, turn the tables here, if we could, to Tennessee. We know the Marcus Mariota has
4: taken the Titans to the postseason. This year he has, I don't want to call it a challenge, but he has a real backup behind him now in Ryan Tannehill, the former Dolphins quarterback, looking over his shoulder. Although the Titans have been adamant, this is Marcus Mariota's job. Charlie, when you turn on the tape, what do you need to see from this guy?
2: Well, you need to see him play more, okay? So we got to get bigger and stronger to avoid those injuries to keep him on the field. If he's on the field, they would have made the playoffs last year, I think. And if Tannehill was there, they probably would have made the playoffs too, coming off the bench. So that's number one. Number two, uh, again, don't force balls. Then The other thing is don't rely upon your legs so much. Read things out and follow through and make plays throw in the football. Don't dump it off uh, too much. The other thing is, finally, when you're going to run, Protect yourself. Get out of bounds. Get down. So getting bigger and stronger, smarter decisions, protect yourself, hopefully keeps him on the field more games and equals more wins and another playoff performance for him.
0: Yeah, and that's, that's a great point on both Winston, who Charlie Cass really started with from NFL Network, and then Marcus Mariota. So here's the question to you. Mariota or Winston, who'd you rather entering year five of their uh, of their careers, right? And you had the the big they went one, two in the draft, right? And it was okay. Who's going to be better? Well, both have had their ups and downs. Both have had their inconsistencies. On Twitter at awiii75 says neither QB and it goes into part two of our uh, question of who'd you rather, Nadam Kansu or Gerald McCoy on the defensive tackle side. Uh, uh, he says that. The Bucks should have kept McCoy by fixing his cap hit, but Sue is a solid replacement. So Alex does not want either quarterback, which was not on the table as a question, but there you go. I'm gonna say if I have my pick and I'm not enamored with either one, I think both are middle-of-the-road quarterbacks. I'll go with Marcus Mariota. And here's why. You have the upside arm talent and physical ability of Jameis Winston. That's superior. But we're entering year five. At what point do we stop with the, the, quote, potential? If you haven't hit it by year five, I don't know if you're going to hit it. Now, Bruce Arians is a hell of a coach, and I think he's going to coach Winston up. And if he has any chance of consistency, that's where it's going to be. The difference in the careers have been. Mariota has missed time due to injury. Winston has missed time due to poor play. That's the difference to me. Now, if you look at the the stat-wise, you have Mariota has never played a full 16 games, right? You had a 12 and 15, 15 games in 2016, 2017, and 14 last year. Throwing-wise, has never eclipsed 3,500 yards. His max his best year was 2016, where he had 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Now that's approaching a nice, nice elite level but still not quite the yardage. And what's concerning to me continues to be the rushing. If you just look overall, he's at, what, 349, 300. That's, that's a lot, but not, not excessive. The problem is he doesn't protect himself, and he's very thin. That was my concern with him coming out of college. Very thin guy, and he can't protect himself. Now, apparently, he's beefed up. He, and is of the realization, you got to protect yourself. So if that clicks in your five, and you're going to be able to mix in that little bit of a leg option if he's smart with the ball. So I'm going to say Marcus Mariota, despite the greater physical, natural gifts of Jameis Winston. Let's go behind the glass. JP, who do you
2: like? Uh, I guess I'm going opposite of you. I thought you'd be sticking with me on this, but I'm going Winston. You're going Winston? Okay. Yeah. Um... Look, I understand there's maybe some questions about his off the field or that kind of stuff. I don't think it's that much of a serious issue. I would argue that straight up, Cutter was a terrible coach for that team and offensive coordinator. The team was too one-dimensional. They couldn't play... With the talent that they had. Kept and you could argue that that team offensively has way more talent than the Titans. Oh, or at least oh, no doubt. What, they've, what they've seen on the field. Yes. So I think Winston has way more of the upside from that aspect as well. So upside to Winston. Sean Lavery, Shawnee?
4: I'm going with the ceiling here. I think Jameis Winston has the most rock star potential out of the two. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see what he does under Bruce Arians. Dirk Cutter didn't get the job done as a first-time head coach dealing with Winston. Arians been there, done that, two-time Super Bowl champ. So I'm excited to see how that works out.
0: To do that. And again, that potential, yes. The physical upside, the tools, yes. But in year five, has can we can we still lean on potential? And Marcus Mariota, man, yeah, like that offense is looking archaic. But you, you've seen where he can make he can still make things happen. Again, I like that football IQ. If he can stay healthy, I'll go with Marcus Mariota. So the other Who'd You Rather, you can tweet at andymc81 and on Twitch, twitch twitch.tv forward slash andymaclive. A dog saying uh, on Twitch saying he'd take Mariota as quarterback. Now, we'll go to the defensive tackle front. Okay, Ndamukong Sue, a guy who stomped on Aaron Rodgers, a dirty, nasty guy, and Gerald McCoy. Now, McCoy spent his whole year with the Bucks, and the and Kinsua's went from Detroit to Miami to uh, was on the Rams last year. Here's the difference: both similar size, similar weight, one position after each other in the draft. The difference is McCoy has done much more with much less around him. Remember last year, Sue had Aaron Donald beside him; he had less sacks. Both can be dynamic, like. I think you take McCoy, if you like someone who can run down somebody a bit more in space, but you can slide over Sue. Like we've seen, he can be a a run stopper, obviously, take up that space. But if you sneak him in off the edge, there's some film that Sue can still do it. I think the dynamic play the, the the push with the speed you get a bit more out of gerald mccoy sue did play more snap so i would say in a who'd you rather i would go with mccoy over sue because i think sue the hype is a bit more than the substance although both can still produce in the the proper situation but i will say mccoy let me know what you think on twitch twitch.tv forward slash andy mack live or on twitter at andy mc81 we'll be back next week next saturday at noon with another tsn Four Downs off Edition. For JP, for Arad, for Sean, I'm Andy Matnamara. You've been listening to TSN Four Downs on TSN 1050.